like to start out and welcome everybody to Texas. I'm talking about the heat. Um, I looked at the weather in Katy, it was 95, and in the borough, it was 93. So welcome to Texas. Tonight, in Proverbs, we're studying hearing and listening. Why would that be important to us to think about out of Proverbs? Is any reasoning behind that, you think? There you go. So hearing is important to what Jesus said, isn't it? Anything else? Kind of like Philip in the Ethiopian Union. Well, part of it is, is hearing is foundational if we base it on this verse, isn't it? How do we take our faith? Our faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? What we study, isn't it? You know, when you look at Matthew 17, in verse 5, you don't have to turn to it, but in Matthew 17 and verse 5, we see that Jesus is being transfigured. And here he is, a unique son of God. And here's Peter, James, and John with him. And in verse 5, it says, starting off, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son and my well pleased. Don't pay attention to it. Is that what it said? It said, hear him. Some of y'all Bibles, the tra translations might say, hear ye him. So there's importance that here's a testimony of God saying that here's the son, unique, He's preparing for suffering, and it, and it tells us what? To listen to him. When you go to just some other verses, James 1.19, it tells us that when you think about what you're doing, it says be swift to what? Hear. Slow to speak. And then what's the last part? Slow to wrath. Isn't it interesting that the increase is on the hearing side, not the others? And if you turn over to John chapter 8, John chapter 8, John chapter 8 and verse 47, it says, He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear because you are not of God. In chapter 8 and 9, here's Jesus portraying to be the light. They didn't accept him in, in chapter 8. In fact, at the end of the chapter, they were going to stone him. And then he made the blind to see, and all of a sudden they understand the light. 
So we understand that, that we've got to be able to use these faculties to understand the word, but there's also a part that says pay attention, doesn't it? When you think of hearing, one of the interesting things is there's a group that, that specializes in listening. And I told you the story about Deborah and me doing the listening. And there, the actual definition is taking information from speakers, from other people, ourselves, while remaining non-judgmental and empathetic, acknowledging the talker in a way that invites the communication to continue, providing limited but encouraging input to talker's response, carrying the person's idea one step farther. Question is, with us, are we inviting this communication? And we know that we don't have direct operation of the Holy Spirit, but we're communicated through what? His word, aren't we? Are we paying attention to it? Are we inviting this communication so that we understand what God would have us do? That's what listening is. It's really taking action for something we hear, the importance of what we hear, and making a judgment on it, right? Sometimes when we do that, we don't pay attention like we need to, do we? We're just like anybody else, like other kids and stuff. When you go a little bit farther, there was a study that, that looked at people's communication, reading, writing, talking, and listening. What do you think is 16% up there? Any guesses? Reading. How about 9%? Writing. You know where we're coming to, don't you? When you go up to the top left, it's talking. Now, if you're a salesman, like some of us were, that's probably 80%. So you see that, that listening, and this is the studies that they've done over years, that said with a communication, and looking at all communication, this is how it breaks down. The question is, do we listen intently to whether it's Bible class, whether it's David or Leland, when they're trying to teach us? Maybe not all the time. When you look and you turn to Proverbs 8, you'll turn to Proverbs 8. In, in verse 6, which I've got up there, it says, Listen, for I will speak of excellent things. From the opening of my lips will come the right things. You know, when we think about it and we understand that this is called the wisdom literature from Solomon and the other writers, there is this part of us that says it is it's important for us to study so that we can have these excellent things that are given by God. And what this chapter does in chapter 8, it, it puts in verse 1, it says, does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? 
when you think of that, it's all around us and everything we hear and everything we do, it's how we adjust to that and use what wisdom it is. Look at Proverbs 22 and verse 20. Proverbs, and keep your fingers in chapter 8 if you don't mind. Proverbs 22 and verse 20. says, have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge that I may make you know the certainty of the words of what? Truth. And, and then going further in that verse, that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you. When we, when we think of this and we think of things that we're involved with, he's using through chapter 8 that wisdom is all around us. If you look at uh, verse 2, it says in in chapter 8 of Proverbs, she takes her stand on top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. And if you go to chapter 1 and verse 20, chapter 1 and verse 20, before we go to the next slide, it says... In verse 20 of chapter 1, it says, Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the opening of the gates in the city, she speaks her words and then basically says, How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? Really going toward the fool. When we look at that, it's interesting that in chapter 8, it says that the wisdom and understanding are calling, and we'd said they were calling out loud. Why would it be important for, for him to write that it was on the hilltops, it was on the pathways that cross the city gates, uh, the doors to houses? What do you think he's getting at? Accessibility. Accessibility. Accessibility to understanding and to wisdom, isn't it? And what he's saying to us is we can't avoid it. It's all around us, isn't it? And with wisdom, whether we're studying here, whether we're gaining it from teachers and other people, it it is everywhere. You can't get away from it. When you think of the hilltops, here's something that's on the top of the hill, and when when you're at the top of the hill, it's almost like saying everybody can hear what you're saying. What did Jesus do in Matthew 5, 6, and 7? Did he go down into a valley? Did he go down into catacombs? No. He went up, didn't he? He went up, we're not sure exactly where, but he went up to speak so that he could speak to everybody. So all could come to him. So here with the hilltops is the idea that an elevated part of the city, the importance of of being heard. When I see the crossroads where you see these paths, when you see crossroads back then, how did they get around? Did they uh, get in a Cadillac uh, or call Uber? Did a lot of walking, didn't they? They did a lot in in horse-drawn or, or burrows or whatever, and they cross paths, and there's probably talking, wasn't there? 
There was probably people involved with saying, well, I've been there and you've been there. And here is an idea that people will meet. In the entrance of cities, you know how men would, it's even said in the Old Testament that Lot was at the city gates, wasn't he? That people were coming and going, maybe new people. So there was this transition of trying to make sure people understood what was going on and the importance of wisdom. And the same thing with your doors. If you look at verse 3, it says, She cries out by the gates of chapter 8 at the entrance of the doors. Verse 4 of chapter 8, To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. We went over fools. But it said here, and I don't know how your other versions say, but it says, oh, you simple ones, understand prudence. What is prudence? Any, any guesses? Fitting, it's a good way probably to put it. Um, I, I wrote down ability to regulate and discipline oneself through the exercise of reason. You know, you're using prudence. And, and here he's saying to them, you know, I've spoke, I'm in verse 6 that we've put up there, I will speak of excellent things, and it says... You need to understand prudence. You need to understand you don't need to be a fool. You need to take advantage of these things that are out there as far as wisdom is concerned. And he, to me, he's doing it very simple. He also goes farther in verse 7, my, For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. And then listen to what he says in verse 10. Receive my instruction and not silver, and my knowledge rather than gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. So here is something that's open to everybody. And here he's saying that wisdom and knowledge is more important than wealth, isn't it? That's the easy part of it. That's something that we can understand and say, how important is God's word to us? We, when we're judged, we're going to be judged with the things we did in this world because we don't have anything afterwards, do we? And with this wisdom and knowledge and the, the importance of it, it's more important, I'm not saying we don't work for a living at things, but it's more important than, than trying to develop wealth. When you think of this, if you'll turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18. In John chapter 18, 
Jesus has already been portrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's, I, I don't know why they would have bound him, but they bound him. And they take him first to Annas. And within this chapter, Peter denies the way John does it one time, and then later on he does two more times. But when you come to verse 19, it's interesting that the high priest is going to question him. And in John chapter 18 and verse 19, it says, The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. I'm reading out of the New King James. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. Did Jesus ever try to hide? Now, now he might have said, don't go and tell everybody. My time has not come. But did he ever hide? He didn't hide. He said he spoke openly for everybody to hear. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple. I was in the open areas. I was in the places of worship. I was speaking there. And in the temple where the Jews always meet. And in secret, I've said nothing. I was very open. Jesus was very direct, was he? Then he says in verse 20, Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said this, you know, he gets slapped for saying it. So here's the Lord that's even saying that when he's questioned and he's getting ready to die, what is he telling them? He's saying, they heard me. And it hadn't just been a few people, have it? has it? There's been a lot of people heard me. They've come in all the way from Matthew 5 on, haven't they, to listen to me with his Galilean ministry and everything else. And he's, he's saying here, you haven't heard? You know, it's like when you read in the Bible, there's several phrases in the Bible that says, have you not read? He's saying here, have you not heard? Have you not heard what was going on with me? I'm the son of God. And they didn't even recognize it, didn't they? When you think of the Lord, even when it's his time that he's going to die in a few hours, he's saying, you should have heard me, shouldn't you? You should have been involved with hearing me. Any comments? What's the advantage of wisdom calling and us listening? Um, maybe there's not much advantage except eternal life. That's pretty big, isn't it? When you think about it and you go to chapter 8, back to chapter 8 in um, Proverbs, In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 32, farther in there, it says, Now therefore listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. What is keeping his ways? You know, we see in the Bible the way, don't we? Jesus says, I am the way, right? 
But what does he mean by keeping the ways? Any comments? Obedience. Do what? Obedience. Obedience. Keep my commandments. It's interesting that when you read this, and he's saying this listening part of keeping his ways, if you turn over to Luke 8 and verse 19, Luke 8 and verse 19. Now, Jesus has had some, talked about parables. What's the purpose? Parable uh, of revealed light. And then in verse 19, it says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. So now, why is the crowd there? Hear Jesus, isn't it? Hear what he's saying. Then in verse 20, it was told him by some who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Your family's there, Jesus. What are you going to do about it? What's important to you? In verse 21, But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are those that do whatever they want to and keep on doing it. That's not what he said, is it? It says, my mother and my brothers are those that hear the word of God. Remember in the listening part, it said in the definition that you let the person speak to you and you try to gain what they're saying, make it valuable that what they're saying to you is important, and then pick up those tidbits. And what does he say? He says at the very end, who hears the word of God and does what? And do it. So there's a part of it, just like we said, the foundation of hear the word and that word of God was important. He's saying, you've got to listen to what's in here. You've got to take it in and and study it and understand what it's telling you to do and do it. When you go over a few pages in Luke chapter 11, in Luke chapter 11, you, you have starting out the, the model prayer and asking and seeking. Uh, but when you go to 27, here's Jesus. And, and to me, in the New King James, he's very emphatic here. And here we are talking about blessed are those who keep my ways. He says, and it happened as he spoke these things that certain women from the crowd raised her, a certain woman in the crowd raised her voice and said, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. Then he says, thanks, I appreciate it. Mary was a good mother. I had a good father. I was taken care of. In, in my version, it says, but he said, more than that, more than that, more than my birth, more than the importance of my family, 
more than the importance of my mother birthing me, more than me coming into this earth as a human being, what does he say? Blessed are those who hear the word of God and do what? Keep it. What does it mean to keep it? It means put it in your pocket and don't let it go, right? When you're a kid and your friend says, hey, you can keep it, what do you do? You get it and you run. Because you don't want him to take it back, do you? And what he's saying here, it was more important than my birth that you hear what the Word of God is and to keep it, just like before, to do it. When you go a little further, it says, and going back to Proverbs chapter 8, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 8. Sorry to make you keep going. Back and forth. In Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 33, it says, Hear instruction and be wise and do not disdain it. And here it is, be wise and don't disregard it. Don't say, that's no value to me. When we receive instruction, do we take it as Christians that says, I like that point. I needed that. I needed that instruction or that rebuke, which is part of instruction, isn't it? It's part of our life to say, I've got to accept as a Christian that I'll make mistakes. It says, part of us have sinned and the rest are okay. It says, all have sinned, doesn't it? When you talk about the wisdom, it also goes down into the verse... 34 and 35, it says, Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching and waiting. Whenever he finds me, finds life, favor from the Lord. When you look at verse 34 and 35, I wanted to make sure I put it up there right. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. For whoever finds, whoever me Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. And he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. All those who hate me love death. You know, uh, in 1 John, when you read the very first chapter, it talks about Jesus being the word of life. So in John chapter 1, in verse 1, it says... (coughs) Jesus wasn't all deity. He was part deity. No, he was the Word, wasn't he? And we understand as the Son of God, he came to earth as the Word of life. And here we're talking about this wisdom taking us to the importance of this Word of life. Any comments on that? I'm sorry, go ahead. Feel like a celebrity. Um, it's interesting that he's you're mentioning that the word of God is what gives where the wisdom comes from, and it's mentioned to Joshua that if he will concentrate on the word and not let it depart from his mouth day and night, meditate on it, then he will have success. Everybody here is be strong and courageous, 
But the important part there is meditating on God's word day and night. And what we don't realize is that when we meditate on God's word, that's when the power and wisdom of God's word changes us. Just hearing it is one thing, but meditating on it, thinking about it, is when we gain the wisdom from it, and that's when it changes us. Good point, because as you saw the uh, definition of listening, they will turn around and say the definition of hearing is just sound. And if you just take sound, you're not doing anything with it, are you? You're not, as said, meditating. You're not studying. You're not really looking at the Word the way you need to. John? Think about the difference in hearing and listening. I think about a little parable at the end of Matthew 7. These are those that hear my words and do them. That's the one that built his house on the rock. The one that hears those words about it and does not do them, built his house on the sand. So both were hearing, but only one was, was listening. listening. It seems to me that maybe the perfect example of that perfect mental picture you can get is when God called to Samuel and Samuel's response was speak Lord thy servant heareth and so he recognized God as the master he recognized himself as the servant and he was saying Lord whatever you say that's what I'm going to do I'm going to listen to you you know, that's, that's important um, when you think, uh, I've made reference to 1 John. In 1 John, John is worried about the Gnostics there, isn't he? And he's saying, you've got to understand that Christ came into the world as a human being, but he was God, wasn't he? He was Emmanuel, God with us, and you need to be paying attention to what he says, don't you? You need to understand that when he speaks, he speaks with authority. Because what John was just referring to at the very end of chapter 7, what do what is it said about Jesus? Here I'm paraphrasing. Here is a person that speaks with what? Authority. And if we don't accept that, then worrying about wisdom and worrying about trying to be ready with wisdom, we're not going to get there, are we? Any other comments? Yes, ma'am. And, and sometimes wisdom is not always what you want to hear either. Um, uh, sometimes it's, uh, it's a little harder, harder to swallow, and sometimes we don't want to hear it at the time. But if you truly love somebody, you want to tell them the truth. You know, the word is a two-edged sword. It'll cut you. And it can, it can cut you to make you angry, or it can cut you to change you. We pray it cuts you to change you, but as we've seen through, throughout the, the, the history of the Christians, sometimes it didn't work that way. But, um, but if God didn't write it down and didn't correct us and show us the right way, he would not have loved us. And that's what you got to remember when you're taking rebuke or correction from the Lord. Don't. Don't be so angry at it. Try to try to learn from it. That's when I, I good point when I said rebuking is part of this wisdom, isn't it? 
And how many of us in having that conversation, when you go back to that definition of listening, are we listening to what the person says? We might not like it. But if they're telling the truth, we need to listen to it. <laughs> we need to understand, rather than flaring up, that this person has something to say, is my point. And we miss that sometimes as brethren, don't we? And that's part of this listening. It's part of the meditation. It's part of, of listening to the good and the bad. And it's not always easy. Any other comments? If I miss people, just yell out at me. In Proverbs 1.33 it says, But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Is he saying that if, if I'm listening to what the Lord says through his word that everything's going to be okay? That's, that's probably it, isn't it? Spiritually, we're on the right track, aren't we? But the rain pours on the good and who? The bad, doesn't it? So we sometimes have to look at the things that are said and say, are we listening for wisdom? And do, are we confident that what the Lord is telling us is right? Well, sure we are. What he's written, what he's spoken in through the Holy Spirit, it's right, isn't it? It's, it's survived the ages. It's survived everything. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go smooth, but it also gives you hope, doesn't it? And that's where that hope comes. If you turn to Psalms 112, Psalms 112, in verse 6. I didn't put that up there. I apologize. Psalms 112 in verse 6. The way my Bible states in Psalms 112, the very start, it says, blessed state of righteousness. The state of righteousness is what it's saying. And then when you look at verse 6 and 7, it says, Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in who? Trusting in the Lord. You know, we've had a rough year, haven't we, the last year? We've had a year that no one ever saw coming. I'm talking about the medical people, the scientists, all of us at church changing things. And we had to make decisions, didn't we? And you know what it did? It tested our faith, didn't it? It says, is my faith strong enough to withhold to this? But there's a beauty part of all this that we need to always remember. And it said in Daniel that God's in charge of what? The affairs of who? Us. Thank goodness He's in charge. So you get upset about COVID, you get upset about the politics, 
doesn't really do any good because who's in charge? The Lord. And when we try to change things that we can't change, we can't take the place of the Lord. We've got to understand that we need to listen to what He says and listen to what He has done for us and work through it with faith and diligence. And it's not always easy, is it? Any comments about this verse? Well, one thing that we all like to, to go back to, and the kids are still in the class so they won't hear this, is we need to listen to parents, don't we? All of us. And when you see this and you go to Proverbs 1 and verse 9, just go back to Proverbs 1 and verse 9, about listening to your parents. Proverbs 1 and verse 9, it says, starting in verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. It's, it's interesting that you listen to the father, but your mother gives you the law, doesn't she? I kind of say she reads you the riot act, doesn't she? But then what he says is, for they will be grateful, in verse 9, ornaments on your head and chains about your neck. You know, when you think of this, I, I thought of Genesis, of Joseph. When he was made ruler, they put a chain around his neck, didn't they? A showing of, of him being in charge, and he rode, I believe, in the second chariot. And the people said, bow down to him. And here it's saying that a child, they will be grateful as ornaments on their head and chains about their neck. And when you think of that, when you thought about your child doing well, you've never thought about that. You'd call it bling, wouldn't you? But to have a child that listens to their parents is important, isn't it? Because not all we say is wrong. Well, they don't realize that until they turn about 25, do they? And he makes it important because he says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. The interesting part of that is when you take it a little farther, when you look at, this is the Chinese symbol for listening. Uh, it was taken out of an early childhood education journal back in 2000. And you can see the symbol, how it's broken down, and the importance of the way they look at their parents and the way they're taught. What I'm saying is, when we look at the Lord, do we do the same thing? Because when you look at it, what it says is, let the ears be king. If you look up on the left, on your left, it says the ears are king. That means the ears rule over the whole body to convey messages that are really willing to listen and listen, or that you are really willing to listen and listen attentively. That you listen 
to your Father. When we pray, how do we start? We say, our Father in heaven, our Holy Father. We want Him to listen as we go through Christ, don't we? When you look at the second part, it says, let the eyes be ten eyes. Indicates the eyes are fully aware of all the nonverbal messages which are sent by parents. All of us know nonverbal messages from our parents. You can see it in their eyes, you can see it in the switch or the yardstick, right? But what it is, is it's saying there's an awareness here, isn't there? That you're using all these senses for this awareness as a child. And then the last part says, let there be one-heartedness, that the heart concentrates on the parents only, and all the attention and concern will be devoted to them. Is all of our attention and concern to the Father in heaven, when we think about it? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough to put all of it together and say how important it is. When you think about that, though, there's another part of it. If you look at Proverbs 19 and verse 27, Proverbs 19 and 27, if they cease to listen, what happens? It says, cease listening to instruction, my son, in verse 27 of chapter 19, and you will stray from the words of what? Knowledge. It says that you'll, you'll go farther and farther and farther away, won't you? When you think about that, if you go back into the New Testament and you're well aware of this passage in Acts chapter 18, in verses 5 and 6, Acts chapter 18, verses 5 and 6. Here is uh, Paul. Uh, he's met up with Aquila and Priscilla. And in 5 and 6, it says, When Silas and Timothy come from Macedonia, Paul was constrained by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. That wasn't too unusual for Paul, was it? He did that with everybody. And it says in verse 6, But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean from now on. I will go to where? The Gentiles. If they won't listen to reason, what happens? Dust your feet off and what? Go on. It's not always fun, but there is a part that says these children should listen. If the children were found not to be obeying the parents and doing things wrong in the old law, what happened? I wouldn't be here. Stone. I'd have been gone at two years old. It doesn't happen that way, but that's the way we look at children, isn't it? Any questions about tonight's lesson? Any comments? Thanks for your attention and, and for your participation.